Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, this is John Dorsey. How you doing, buddy boy? Don't be scared. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes podcast presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on the Super Show Friday edition of the podcast. Really excited to be joined by our good friends, John Ledger and Trevor Sikama from the Locked On NFL Draft podcast and the Draft Network to collaborate here with a really fun, engaging discussion on young quarterbacks. And I left that broad because we're going to get into the entire scope of them from college to some of the young guys in the NFL today. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. Let's get this thing going. I don't know what you're talking about referring to these guys as good friends. <laughs> wow. Hard enough time tolerating you, Joe. 50 seconds in. Shots you learn something new every super show, don't you? That's right. Tiger show their uh, Tiger or is, is it Tiger yeah. can't change the stripes? I right? think it is. That, sounds that right. is a phrase. That is yeah. a phrase. Well, if it wasn't, it is now. There it is. But John and Trevor, thank you so much, our dear friends, for joining <laughs> us on this Friday Super Show. How it's are you? Pleasure. It's our pleasure, truly. Doing very well, Kyle. Doing very well. All right. So we're here to talk quarterbacks, young quarterbacks. And the idea here is we're going to kind of kick around some some questions. We all watch all these quarterbacks all the time. We tweet about them. We have side conversations about them. And so we know the guys that each other knows. And so we want to kind of bring to light some of those thoughts and discussions. And so I'm going to start things off here. I'm going to kick a question to Kyle. And Kyle, I know that you just got done watching every throw that Drew Locke has made this season. I think there's like 88 and two games or something like that. And uh, he's got a big one. He's got a big one uh, this Saturday against Georgia next week against South Carolina following week against Alabama. So that's the gauntlet of big tests for him. What do you think about Locke and, uh, and where where do you think he's going to come out of this, this really tough stretch of games? I'll tell you what, he, he sling the pill around really, really well against Wyoming and, and Purdue against Wyoming. Drew probably could have thrown comebacks and out routes against the slot every single play and probably completed 95% of his passes because Wyoming just refused to blend their coverage as they played this bell technique cover three. And it was a lot of pitch and catch outside the numbers, but he hit his layups there. Uh, My apprehension with Drew coming into this season was what happens when you get deeper into your progressions and nobody's open. There was some panic there. His, reaction to pressure uh, caused him to flinch quite a bit. And then you saw some of this same stuff for drew most notably uh, Purdue. He had just outside the red zone, 21 yard line. He threw a, a fade route and uh, he ended up stepping and hinging his, his front hip open into the sideline instead of stepping down the field because there was an uncovering defender and the uncovering defender was like four yards away. And he ends up hanging the ball and, and the receiver has to try and come back and catch it. And it's incomplete. But, uh, you know, for the narratives around a spread quarterback, I liked that uh, 36 passes of his went beyond 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. So he pushed the ball down the field a little bit. Uh, the, the middle of the field is non-existent for him. 
I was going to say, that's the first thing I noticed when I'm looking at this job. He just does not throw it over the middle. No. And he had a, a layup on a seam route to tight end 81. I'm not even going to, I'm in Ledger's boat with this. Albert one. I'm okay. Try, not, it's <laughs> okay. try and pronounce Albert this is. guy's name, but he's, he overthrew a wide open seam route by about 15 yards, wow. like within 20 yards. Uh, area mm-hmm. yards on his pass. So different. And it's like, okay, year, you know, like, but I, I did want to throw this in there, Kyle, because they do have a different offense this year. Last year, they ran that RPO seam route down, down the middle of the field to Albert. Okay. And he scored like eight of his, I think he had 11 touchdowns or something. He scored like eight down the seam uncontested. But, well, and that, that was my big question. What was the touch like? Yeah. Because it, for me, it really looks like the touch throws are where he really has a hard time. He has a hard time finding the consistent range for sure. Yeah, that I mean, scares me. Yeah. That scares me, man. Being I mean, able it's, to vary it's, it, yeah. it is clear that when you watch a highlight of Missouri and you'll see the, the two or three throws that, that they will put in that reel from Drew Locke, that it's effortless, like getting the ball 30, 40, 40 yards down the field is effortless from this dude. And you like to see that. But just over the last two years, the consistency of the touch has not been there. And you, you, Two games in, you telling me that means, oh boy, now I've seen this for about three years. Is this just who Drew Locke is? Because that's a tough accuracy, and it, but touch especially, I it, it's hard to teach if you can teach it at all. Yeah. And I mean, for Drew, the next three games, it's going to form the narrative for his draft profile. Yeah. I mean, you look at the rest of the schedule, they're not going to get a competitive game or a high profile team in the bowl game. You play Georgia, South Carolina, Alabama in the next three weeks. Mm-hmm. Like for Drew Locke, it's put up or shut up time yep. because this is as good as the film's going to get as far as teams looking for NFL caliber competition. Uh, Trevor, I want to yes. kick one your way here yes. as we move on and, and try and uh, talk about the quarterback landscape as it pertains to the future of the NFL. What the hell is Tampa going to do? <laughs> oh, yeah, tell us oh, this, please. Oh, oh boy. Well, you know, if they put that Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown trade on the table for Jameis Winston, <laughs> I gotta say you pull the trigger. Yeah, you can kick uh, rocks on that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and the shout out to John Letter on that one. But that man, outside of that, look, it's it's hard for me to think Jameis is gonna start anytime soon. I mean, you can't take the ball out of, out of Fitzpatrick's hand. You just can't do it. I mean, when Deshaun and Jameis are boys, Deshaun Jackson and Jameis Winston are boys, and when Deshaun is even saying, you can't take the ball out of Fitzpatrick's hand. Like, he said that on NFL Network this week. Wow. It's like, wow, okay, yeah. this, all right, this is going to be a real thing. And so now, now you're in a situation where, and I actually I, I wrote about this today, when do you put Jameis Winston back in? And I don't think it's necessarily like a week, like you you target a date at this point. I think it really is. As long as the Bucks are going to be above 500, how do you take Fitzpatrick out? Because here's the thing, like he, if they're, the only way that they're above 500 and you take Fitzpatrick out for James is if they are winning in spite of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. But I don't see this Tampa Bay team being above 500 or winning in spite of their quarterback. Right. They need good quarterback play to win. So if Fitzpatrick keeps his team above 500 the entire season, you're likely looking at, especially because of the 2-0 start that they have, you're likely looking at them finishing 
five and 11, 10 and six. They're making the playoffs. James ain't going to play this year if that's the case. So then you go into a contract year of Jameis. I don't even know what happens with Fitzpatrick, but all that to say, I think Tampa's got to draft a quarterback in this draft season. Now, I don't think it's going to be in the first round, but I think you've got to bring somebody in, right? Well, if it ain't in the first round, man, what, like, what's the point, right? Like, I mean, I'm kind of almost there, but I think maybe the reason I'm just saying that is because I don't see them fully moving on from Winston because if they would have done that, yeah, they could have just done it and had an yeah. out. When, you had an excuse when, now, right? And now they're not. So and I think the they're. Other, con- I'm going. Going. I'm confused here because like people are talking about trading Winston to, because of Fitzpatrick's success. That doesn't make any sense to me. No, Fitzpatrick's like what thirty six, thirty five, thirty five. You yeah, he's thirty five. Unless you straight up don't like Jameis Winston, there's right, no way. Right, and right, I, right, I mean, right. like, I mean, like sure. his talent, even. right? There's like, no way you trade it. I don't get it because it's like Fitzpatrick, not only is he older, so it doesn't make any sense. It's not like this guy's going to be your guy for the next couple of years or something. Also, it's two games. Like, like we've seen yeah. Fitzpatrick ball out for two games plenty of times. Joe knows. True. Five of the 2011 Buffalo Bills, five and one with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. You know what they finished? Seven and nine. And what did they give him the big contract right around yeah. that point? Yeah. yeah. Buddy Nix gave him the big deal. Yep. Listen. There's always been the regression to the mean and below that uh, for Ryan Fitzpatrick. Will it happen against the Steelers? God, I hope, but I don't think so. <laughs> Probably the next week, <laughs> something along the line. But it, I, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick rides 16 games as a starter for this team, lay down a bet right now because I'll put, I'll put something on Fitzpatrick not making it 16 games as the starter this season. Yeah, I think it's just it, it's, it's kind of a crazy – it's kind of a crazy whirlwind that people are all caught up with, but I, all that to say, to kind of answer, answer Kyle's question and saying, I don't think James is going anywhere. I don't know how many games he plays for Tampa this year, but I certainly think that he week one in 2018, he's going to be Tampa's starting quarterback, at least, you know, barring something absolutely crazy happening. Um, John, I wanted to ask you, uh, how about Patty Mahomes? Talk to me about it. Yeah. Okay. So first I was going to bring this up from one MVP candidate to the other Ryan Fitzpatrick to Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) There it is. Wow. Sentences. We weren't sure we'd be saying when week two finished, but here we are. Um, I think that for you, and I'm just guessing Patrick Mahomes being your QB three is going to end up because of you and who you are, Trevor and your brand, him being QB three for you, Maybe the biggest regret, not and because you liked him still too. You had a high grade it on hurts. him still, but it like hurts. he's the type of player you would love to throw in people's faces that he was your QB one, right? It hurts, John. It hurts. I mean, it really does. Brand to a T. Um, he just he just made so many questionable decisions yeah, in college. I know, I know, I know. And and Cal and Jonah, they were lower than us on him, and uh, you know. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes situation, if we didn't already have enough examples around the league, and I think we absolutely do, is is such an indication of how important the landing spot is for a player. And I don't say this to take away from Mahomes. If you say this on social media, Chiefs fans are like, oh, you don't think he's good? No, I thought he was good coming out. Like, I liked him. He was an early second round grade for me. I think he was in my top 30. Like, he was, you know, Sam Darnold type of range for me. And I don't add value for quarterbacks. So, absolutely, I would have traded up for him, you know, if I had the right fit. I thought. 
I thought, honestly, if you wanted an offense like Kansas City's, I said this on the podcast, if you want an offense like Kansas City, as much as I love Deshaun Watson, I would have taken Patrick Mahomes over every other quarterback because he has that had that type of ability. And if you believed in his ability to get better, his work ethic, his mental aptitude, all that kind of stuff, that was the tick. That was the ticket to me. I think when I started seeing his interviews and watching him, uh, you know, they ran that big feature piece on him and watching the dedication he put into the game and how quickly he picked up concepts and. You know, he was already kind of had that baller ability on the field. It wasn't like Josh Allen where, like, he was chaos all the time on the field. Like, Mahomes made bad decisions, but he also had that that step into pressure and, and gun one in the face of danger type of mentality that you didn't always see from Josh Allen. And so um, I, I thought, I was like, here's a guy I want to bet on his upside. Uh, I want to bank on that. And so... Uh, yeah, I was a fan of him, uh, but being able to sit here, and everybody's going to want to compare somebody to Patrick Mahomes, especially if he keeps this up. Everybody's going to want to compare somebody to him, but here's the reality. Patrick Mahomes got to sit a year as a first-round quarterback. He was traded up for by the, what, what were the Chiefs picking? 26 that year, one of the best teams in the NFL. One of the best coaches, even though if you think Andy Reid chokes in the playoffs, he's a great coach schematically. He definitely knows what he's doing. He's made players on the offensive side of the ball better for years and years and years. Um, and he landed in that type of a situation with those type of skill players, with a team with that type of a culture and stability and all that stuff. So if you don't think that's made a huge difference, man, you're crazy. Like that's made a huge difference in Patrick Mahomes evaluation. So I, I am still a big fan of what, I mean, I, I've always been a kind of a, a big fan. I mean, I, I had to come around of him during the draft process for sure, but I think big things are happening in Kansas city with him for sure. There'll be some regression statistically, but I, he made some, enough throws already to me that I've been like, okay, I, I know it's a two game sample size and I know he played the one at the end of the last season, but I'm pretty much a believer on Patty Mahomes, uh, for sure. Got to throw this question back over to Joe, though, because, Joe, Deshaun Watson, a guy you were high on, and Kyle, I know you may want to chime in on this, too. And, and all, of us, all of us were high on. I mean, Joe, you had Trubisky QB1, right? I did, yeah. Okay, so so Deshaun Watson opens the season, some ups and downs, some struggles here and there. Mitch Trubisky opens the season 1-1. One and one. I mean, he, I don't know. I don't know how much you've seen. How much have you seen of Trubisky? And Watson, and I know you, this is too small of a sample size maybe to go off with Mahomes. We've seen more of Trubisky and Watson now at this point on the field. What's your thoughts on where they're at right now, and how do you compare where they're at to your pre-draft stuff? And are there regrets? Or are there what has to improve moving forward to get these guys? Because Watson was so great last year, but we knew there was going to be some regression. And this year it's been very up and down uh, two games in. So just curious as to your thoughts on where those two guys are at. The guy that I, I've watched both of Trubisky's games, I haven't seen any of Watson yet this year, so I'm going to kind of focus my answer on on Trubisky. Sure. Uh, man, when when he has an opportunity to kind of run a script, you know, those Jim Nagy scripts to start the game, and at certain points, man, he's lights out, right? I mean, everything's just really put together well, and he executes, and he's he's a really good trigger man. Uh, you know, it seems like the consistency is just not there right now yet, and you know, I, I'm not. I'm not having any regrets, to be honest with you. I think I'm very encouraged with his growth. But I think some of the stuff with the Bears just got out of hand this offseason with, you know, obviously a terrific offseason, adding Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton and, and uh, Allen Robinson and some great draft picks and Roquan Smith and James Daniels and a lot of stuff specifically to improve the infrastructure around uh, uh, Trubisky as well as, 
you know, obviously the coaching staff was a big deal for all that to be in place. But, you know, even, you know, I'm not going to take a shot at Kyle, but I'm going to do it. You know, Kyle kind of came out and thought uh, Trubisky's going to throw for 4,000 yards this year, which is really unheard of when you think about the Chicago Bears and the history of that quarterback position. And, uh, you know, I just feel like sometimes we underestimate how big of a deal it is to to acclimate to the NFL, especially for Trubisky, who was a one-year starter at North Carolina and Larry Fedora's spread offense. You know, it was a huge, huge transition. And so I like that he's getting to play, like even last year with that horrible team around him. I love that he had an opportunity to kind of play through it. And I'm that's kind of my silver lining with Josh Allen, like play through it, see the looks, understand the speed of the game and get more comfortable. And I think you've seen some growth from Trubisky, but you know, look, he's not a finished product right now. It's going to take some more time, but I love the fit. I love what Nagy's going to do there. It's just like, Hey, when it's not scripted and you've got to read one and rip it, I need to see the consistency there. It's not there yet, but I'm still, you know, look, I'm not, I have no regrets right now yet on Mitch Trubisky. All right. So I got the I got the floor is mine here. Um, uh, let me. I want to go back to John on this one. Oh boy. Uh, I know that you spent some time in the Josh Allen film, uh, ripping him apart, rightfully <laughs> so. Um, and, and so, look, I, I mean, I think you and I kind of came away with similar takeaways from studying this tape. Well, he's the same guy we saw at Wyoming. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I listened to your spot on WGR and I thought you did a really good job kind of talking about how the Earhart Perkins system is really doing a good job of taking advantage of really underwhelming personnel because the scheme will get these guys open. Mm-hmm. All right. So you, you, you saw a sample size. You've kind of convinced that even though it's a small sample size, we can learn something. Well, what's where, where are we going here, John? I mean, like how concerned should Bill's fans be? Because. The reality is if you take the fan goggles off, which I don't have any problems doing, John Dell was literally the same guy we saw at Wyoming. Is there hope? Yes, I mean, there's always going to be hope in the raw traits, I think, I guess, you know, for from a fan's perspective. For our perspective, it's just we always knew those were there. So there's nothing new. You know, we've we've kind of always known that that he has this amazing arm strength and he can fit the ball in tight windows and he can make some wild throws. But consistency is everything at the quarterback position. I say it every single year with people who get caught up in these wild throw quarterbacks. Consistency, consistency, consistency. You can make a great throw down the field, uh, you know, and pick up 20 yards on first down. But the problem is every other first down, Josh Allen's, you, all you do have to do is blitz him. Send any type of pressure at him. Send delayed pressure. Send a delayed pressure. Anything like that. I mean, they blitzed Derwin all game because they knew Allen would never see it. He never did. Derwin legitimately could have had five sacks in that game. Allen never saw him. Turtled up when he came by. I mean, Derwin overran a couple tackles. Honestly, if he throttled down, I mean, it would have been that kind of a day with a player who wasn't quite as juiced up. I mean, he could have been sacked that many times, and he already got sacked how many times in that game? So, I mean, it was... It was uh, taking a lot of losses that he shouldn't have, um, and people are going to want to move to the protection and move to the to skill players. I think, and you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to say those guys were great, but Josh Allen was the biggest issue on Sunday for sure. Not even a question to me. Uh, I saw tons of examples where guys were open, um, and he made either catches way more difficult or didn't process simple route combinations. I mean, I tweeted out a bunch of those different examples. Um, you know, so I. I think with him, there's just a lot that needs work. And ideally, you would not want to play him. You know, ideally, you wouldn't. But like you're saying, maybe for him, it is beneficial to play through those type of things. He looked completely overwhelmed and frantic. There were a bunch of times where his eyes moved to an open receiver, and then he would move back to to the other side of the field. 
just be, mm-hmm. he was he was he was looking, but he wasn't processing. And so, to me, it just suggests the speed is too fast. You know, pressure came, uh, big eyes looking right at the pressure. You know, was often you know kind of duck and absorb it before it even came. Not able to keep his eyes downfield, make a throw under duress uh, that was going to be impressive. So it just seemed like everything was way too fast for him, way too out of control for him. And when the Chargers relaxed on that last drive and they rushed three and they dropped everybody and they caught, they tackled the middle of the field and the basic zone coverages, then he got more comfortable. But that's just not you know, when he let a touchdown drive. That's not just not realistic to like what an actual game is going to be like. Sure, late in the game you can put up some some numbers on a late drive when the game's already decided. But like you got to do it when the, when they're scheming for you, when they're coming after you, and that's the thing. I I just I don't know if I saw that with Josh Allen yet. Yeah. So um, that's been probably the a disappointing part for one game. But it is just one game. I don't want to make more out of it. I mean, Jared Goff was bad as for his whole rookie year, and we've seen a lot of quarterbacks kind of bounce back and overcome that. So. Um, you know, I think that he, I think that he'll hopefully get better this season. But I mean, yeah, it didn't do anything to alleviate the concerns I already had that there's too many issues really to overcome at once for him to be good at least any time in the near future. Um, and it's going to take a pretty pretty immaculate coaching job, I think, to get him where he needs to be. So uh, we'll see if that happens. Kyle, I got a lob one over to you. Go ahead, Trevor. No, I was going to ask you uh, what what were you about to ask Kyle. Because I'm going to see if my question is better for Kyle because I had one for Kyle too. Okay, well, I just wanted to... Popular guy, I love it. (laughs) I just wanted to ask him about, I mean, Baker Mayfield's his guy. And so, like, I just wanted, like, you've seen some of of Cleveland and we're going to see him, uh, you know, or we saw him Thursday night. And, like, I'm just curious your thoughts on Baker Mayfield and kind of, like... Obviously, I know from the preseason, I think, I think, personally, he looked like he was ready. And Tyrod's been objectively bad through two weeks. Um, And I know he threw the late touchdown to Callaway that will probably mean enough and recency bias to keep fans and coaches off his back, but he's not been good at all. And he's not pushed the ball down the field. He's been the same tie that we've always seen. Um, and so isn't it time, man? Can't this team win if they go to Baker? Hugh. Hugh. Yes. You, Hugh, Hugh, <laughs> come over here, sit down. Look at me. <laughs> Stop a heart, being heart heart. a coward. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this all comes down to is we want to deflect, deflect, deflect. We want, you know, we're the the bus driver, right? The Mm -hmm. bus driver says, no yelling on the bus. And it's kind of what Hugh's doing right now where he's, he's kind of flexing for no reason. What's what, what is the motivation? That's a real good analogy. Yep. To not, what is the reason to not put Baker Mayfield in other than, oh, well, we, we had this foresight. It's part of our plan. We traded the 65th overall pick for Tyrod Taylor, yeah. and that's our veteran starter, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah, the, like here, like what did did you see anything from Baker in the preseason that would make you think that the only thing between him and his potential is playing time? You know, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's right. Like he played well, mostly well. Yeah, there were absolutely some mistakes. But you saw the arm talent. You saw the throw that he hit to Callaway on the sideline in that preseason game where he's moving away from the line of scrimmage yeah, and generates a ton of heat on the ball, moving away from the line of scrimmage. You saw some spot throws. You saw him placing the ball for run after catch. Um, you saw the, the mobility in the pocket and his ability to do that in, in the preseason. These were all strengths that he has. But he's got more of a big play mentality. He's fearless. Obviously, the guys love him, regardless of where he's been. 
People that have talked about Baker and his personality have raved about it. And the cruel irony here is Hugh Jackson is doing this with the intent of prolonging his career with the Browns. And it is going to be what ends it because this hapless, punchless offense that they have that's so conservative, I would rather watch paint dry with some very dynamic skill players mm-hmm. within Joku and Callaway and his speed and Jarvis Landry and the opportunities that they're giving for him to be more of a, more than just your eight, da- eight yard check down receiver and actually letting him work up the field a little bit and play on the boundary. And he's done pretty good with it. He hasn't been great. You know, he's never going to be at his best in those areas, but they've put that on his plate and tire. I mean, they just play it so close to the vest and it's like, you're, you're asking your defense to give up single digit points. If you want to win a football game, that's, the that Brown- is their, that's their plan of attack right now. And the Browns are young, right? I mean, they're a relatively young team. So when you talk about having windows to win, which is the reality of basically every team that doesn't have Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback, you, you, you would want things to time out to where like Baker will be ready, mm-hmm. like truly ready in two or three years when your defense also has two or three years and your, yeah. your, your next two or three drafts are helping. And the guys that you have right now that are young will be quote unquote, the vets on the team in two, three years. Then you're talking about a playoff run. Then you're talking about what could possibly be. And the longer you put Baker on the bench, and obviously we're just wasting time. Right. And I mean, you know, we're two weeks in, so it's not like panic button. He was a giant idiot about this whole thing. I mean, if Baker ends up being the starter anytime between week six and week 10, I guess that's fine. He'll still get half the season going into the next one, but there's going to come, kind of come a point to where it's like, Hey man, you drafted this guy in order to give yourself a window to win in two or three years, you've timed it up almost perfectly with some really young, good talent on your defense. Now it's up to you to actually make that happen. You have to open the window once you have the talent there. And that's as much of a coach's responsibility as sitting guys before they're ready. You have to be able to be conscious of that. And so I know I'm, I'm in full agreement with Kyle there. All right. So I am going to do, Speed round. I have my stopwatch here. Okay. Okay. You guys each, I want to, I'm going to go Joe, John, Trevor, then Trevor, you're due for a second question. And then I'm going to put a bow on this thing after that. Okay. 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 But I'm going to ask each one of you guys, if there is a quarterback and I'm going to, I'm going to stall here a little bit. So you guys can think about it. If there is a quarterback who through the first three weeks of the college season, you wish you had put in your preseason top 10 that you did not have in your preseason top 10. I want a name and you have approximately 15 to 20 seconds for any context. And then I'm going to cut you off. You got to keep this line moving. So for me, it's KJ Costello from Stanford. I've liked the way he's okay. The ball. Okay. Uh, Costello uh, has trusted J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and pushed the ball down the field. I thought he played a, a very good game against USC, had two early interceptions against UC Davis. But with that said, I look at Jared Stidham, and I would much rather have K.J. Costello than Jared Stidham in my preseason top 10. Joe, anybody you wish you had included? What oh, if we yeah. Do- 
What so, if we do? Can we? Can we? Can I somewhat modify it? Like maybe yeah. like a top five instead of the top ten. Like if there were guys in like I had lower on my top ten that I wish I was higher. Oh yeah. If, if there's okay. a guy you would rather bump up, that's fine. Okay. But it's my turn, so I'm going to take this. Uh, for me, man, I get the googly eyes when I watch Dwayne Haskins as quarterback uh, from Ohio okay, State. Okay, there we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Taking, it, taking it right from John. Oh. I love it. <laughs> look, look, red shirt sophomore, so we're not sure he's going to be in this class. But, man, he's a beautiful thrower of the football. His mechanics, his size, his arm strength. He passed a big, big test against TCU. His numbers would have been even better if Five Austin Mack didn't drop, drop a million passes. I love the upside and I love where his trajectory is headed. Time. Oh, Joe just snuck it in, John. Yeah. I mean, he's the only one, honestly, that stands out to me right now. Um, I, I will say that Shea Patterson looked good last week. There's, mm-hmm. There might be something there. I'm not ready to totally bury him yet. He seems more comfortable, more confident, and the coaches are raving about him off the field mentally on the on the room. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming around on Jay. I'd like to see how he does in the big games. You're not trying to move Wilger up from QB 10, you blasphemous man. <laughs> man, that is, one, that is one wild quarterback, man. You talk about not being consistent. Uh, he certainly has some – he's made some unbelievable throws this season. I'll give him that. Time. Trevor. Um, this is actually a perfect segue into my last question with Kyle, because if there's a guy in my top 10 that I would have probably wish I could have put a little higher, it'd be Tyree Jackson. And Mm. I believe Kyle, did you take a little look at him so far this season? Yeah. So, I mean, Tyree's a big kid, you know, six, seven, two forty five is his listed measurables and he can push the ball. He's got some, some Josh Allen qualities to him, uh, from Wyoming, uh, when we, first kind of caught the glimpses of Josh and he decided to come back. So when we did, I did that summer assessment and then I watched Tyree Jackson. I see that same downfield arm, some of that same athleticism where he can get out of the pocket and move off of his platform a little bit. He's not a statue like a Brock Eisweiler or something like that, even though he's super tall. Mm -hmm. And um, I just love the way that he can really zip the ball and tight windows, uh, even if it's off non-traditional platforms. So that ability to be under duress and let it rip and, you know, unleash those 20 plus yard throws down the field, put heat on the ball when he's throwing into the far sideline. And he's not super consistent because he doesn't always get on top of the ball with his mechanics. Right, Right. But I have seen him and his ability when everything is clean to just unleash some beautiful throws. And I mean, it, it was raining off and on at the Buffalo temple game, the game that I did watch and he handled that ball effortlessly. So uh, really liked those glimpses that I had caught from Tyree Jackson. Yeah. He's going to, I mean, he's going to kill all his stats this season. And, and I'm just kind of looking at it now, rem- remembering kind of what I had when I did my five play prospect on, him going into the season and there was a good amount of things to like, but just the consistency of the easy stuff. Um, how, how, Often, I think he took advantage of, of having his big arm um, mm. was something that, that also was lacking last year, even though I knew he had it. He just seems to be a lot more comfortable this year. And if I look at a comfortable Tyree Jackson, even though he is pretty unorthodox about how he gets rid of the ball, there are guys that I would take his upside with that, that I have ranked ahead of him or that I had ranked ahead of him going into the year. So that's why I wanted to. That's why that's kind of a question and answer there for you. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's he is oozing with with upside and potential for sure. And if you're looking for one of those, you know, 
potential risers. And even if he doesn't rise, if you're looking for like a, a middle round developmental type quarterback, I mean, he's got everything that you would want to try and develop right. and mold. If you can get him right with his muscle memory and his, his stuff between the ears, but that's going to go ahead and put a wrap on it for us here on the, uh, the draft network super show. We always love the chances that we get to get all these guys together. Make sure you give love to every single person here. If you are listening for the first time or are relatively new, uh, John and Trevor are the hosts of the locked on NFL draft podcast, which is our, I guess, brother pod. I know they usually call it sister pods, but, uh, we're all draft dudes here. You see what I did there? So that's pretty good. brother, Brother pod, uh, Trevor's on Twitter at Tampa Bay trade. John is Ledyard NFL draft. Make sure you shoot them a follow. If you do not already, uh, my co-host Joe Marino is at the Joe Marino and I am at grinding the tape. So we love to interact with you guys. You know, we're, we're really trying to make sure we're with you guys as we watch these games and we're, we're talking with you and you guys are just as much a part of us watching and learning these players as we are amongst ourselves. So Please don't be strangers. Hit us up. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino, John Ledyard, and Trevor Sigma. Thanks for listening to the Draft Dudes Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.